Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode, I explore Ross Cunningham's recent TED video, How Motivation Drives Success. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode. Today I'll be exploring Ross Cunningham's recent TED Talk, How Motivation Drives Success. Youth speaker Ross Cunningham shares his personal perception of what motivation truly is and explains how one can utilize it to overcome any challenge. His interest in this topic was originally sparked by his experiences concerning the concepts of motivation in sports. It also explored the importance of perseverance despite setbacks from a lack of natural ability. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. Motivation. What is it? Why is it that some people can work endlessly towards trying to achieve their goals, whilst others can't be bothered to even make a start at trying to achieve them? Now, I'm sure you're all aware I'm not exactly very qualified to answer any of these sorts of questions, as I'm only a student. But at least in my experience, I can confidently say that motivation is the single most important characteristic in achieving success. I always like to imagine motivation in combination with natural ability, in the form of a bike race, where one person has one of the best bikes in the world, possibly the best, having six gears, maybe the more, uh, an extendable chair, effective brakes, everything is going right for this bicycle. And then there's another person who has one of the worst bicycles, having three gears or less, uh, covered in rust, nothing is going well for this bicycle. It's one of the worst there could possibly be. And they're both in a race with one another. And so the race begins. Now, naturally, the better bike should win. It's in the lead, and not surpri- it's unsurprisingly. But then something unforeseen happens, something you couldn't quite believe to happen, in the fact that the wor- better, uh, worst bike someone manages to overtake and inevitably win the race. Now, why is that? Why is the worst bike losing this race? It's the better bike. What is it that made the difference? Well, both of these bicycles contain one constant, the pedaling power. And this pedaling power, I believe, to represent one's motivation, where one's motivation can be the deciding factor in between two people in terms of how they win, who wins and who loses. And so in this metaphor, I consider this to be a principle which I've always believed in. Now, it could be said that what if two people have the same motivation level? Then obviously the one with the better bike would win. But I don't believe that. I believe that 
if you keep trying and trying and trying and trying, eventually you can achieve your goals. What is the key to success? Success in life, success in relationships, success in sports and hobbies, success at work. What drives success? As he opens up this TED Talk, he talks about two important components, natural ability and motivation. Now, we all know people who are naturally talented at a variety of things. We also know people that are just hugely motivated. They, they're, they're just constantly driving, constantly trying to learn, constantly trying to grow and develop. Sometimes uh, we have one individual with both. They're, they're incredibly, immensely talented, and they also just work so hard. They are truly motivated to be the best they can possibly be, to be the best in their sport, to be the best in their job, uh, whatever the case may be. But we also know people who are extremely talented and just don't seem to have the motivation. Maybe they are leaning too much on their talent. Maybe they've become passive and a little bit lackadaisical, uh, perhaps even a little indifferent due to how easy a particular task comes to them. Perhaps they haven't really spent the time in self-reflection and trying to really understand why they're doing that thing, that sport, that hobby, uh, that job, whatever. Uh, it just comes naturally and easy to them. And so they don't really think about it. They don't question it. They don't really try to grow in it because it's just always come naturally. Uh, I've known many people like that in my own life, and I suppose I'm like that in many ways in my own life. I'm sure there's things that I don't um, work on as much as I should just because it comes naturally to me. Now, it is, it's wonderful to have natural ability. It's wonderful to have key strengths that we can then uh, build off of. But what I think he's pointing out in the opening clip as he shares the bike metaphor is it's a bit of a waste if we have the raw talent if we have the raw intellectual capabilities, if we have the, the raw dexterity um, and the abilities, uh, we're just kind of born with them. They just come naturally to us. And if we don't do more with it, it's, it's really a bit of a waste. On the other hand, if, if we have some skill, we have some ability, but we're really, really desiring to learn, to grow, to develop ourselves, and we're willing to put in the work, that even if we have that worst bike, even if you know we don't have the same skill as those around us, if we're willing to put in the work and we have the motivation to drive us to put in that work and to persevere over time, we can often catch up to those who may have more raw talent, more raw intellectual ability. Eventually, we might even surpass them. Maybe we won't, but we might. And even if we don't, we still learn and grow and we can maximize our own potential. And I think that is an amazing thing. I also couldn't help but uh, relate to his opening metaphor because uh, as some of you know who listen to the podcast, uh, there was a time in my teenage years where I, uh, I did road biking. Um, I, I did a couple really long bike trips. Um, I, I did many, many bike trips, but two consecutive summers when I was, I believe I was... Uh, 14 and 15, I went on 200 plus mile bike races. Now, I didn't actually really consider these races. I was just trying to finish them. Um, but they were intense and they took a lot of prep time. They took a lot of um, build up so that you had the stamina to be able to go on that 200 plus mile bike race. And 
in each case, you know, I, I, I came from a low um, income family. We didn't have any uh, good equipment and I had a pretty crummy bike. Uh, so I, I could, couldn't help but relate to his metaphor. I really did have probably one of the worst bikes. Uh, most people wouldn't even try doing a race like that. Um, so, uh, that required that kind of stamina uh, on that kind of, an, of of equipment. I just didn't have a decent bike. Um, in fact, I had a bike that uh, really only had a couple working mm-hmm. gears. And it was kind of up to me. If I was going to finish that race, it was going to be up to me. And I was going to have to push through having equipment that wasn't very good. And what I found in two consecutive years is while I didn't place towards the front of the pack, um, I did finish. And in each case I finished and I finished before many people who had, you know, much better equipment than me. So how did that happen? Uh, I didn't have any natural ability really. I I just, uh, and I didn't have good equipment, but I prepared, I worked hard and I, I developed some mental toughness to, to work through the challenges that, I, that anyone would face when you're on that kind of uh, a long journey. Uh, some people, you know, go on, uh, they run marathons. For me, it was these really long, arduous uh, bike uh, treks of 200 plus miles. I think as we continue on, we'll get a little bit more insight into his thinking around the the role of natural talent, raw ability, uh, and how that interfaces with motivation and what we can do in our life, whether it's at work, in our personal lives, whatever, mm-hmm. to maximize our potential, to grow into that potential, and ultimately achieve our goals and our dreams. In this, uh, now this principle, or better yet, a belief of mine, has been incredibly influential in my life. In 2011, I decided to do something I'd never done before, something I'd never had the opportunity to do before, which was to join a sports team, specifically the badminton sports team. Now, if you don't know what badminton consists of, it's essentially the hitting of this, uh, otherwise known as a birdie, across a net with the use of one racket per person. And there are both single matches, one person versus one person, and doubles matches, two people versus two people. And I was intrigued by the game. I wanted to learn a new skill. I wanted to try something different. I wanted to do something which I'd never done before. And so I saw this and I figured, why not? So I gave it a try and over time, going to every weekly practice, I found a passion. I enjoyed it. I wanted to do it more. I loved uh, playing the game. I loved doing everything related to it. And so three months later, I decided to submit a form to try and join the U14 badminton boys team. And Luckily enough, I managed to get in that team. I was immensely happy, like any kid at the age of 11 would be. Why wouldn't they be? I was ecstatic. I was in- over the moon at the idea of being something, part of something more than just having to do schoolwork, being part of a sports team. Now, uh, come the following, uh, later in that year, came the first tournament. There was only one tournament per year. And for the U14 team boys, there were four players. And each player was categorized based on their skill level one being the best, four being the worst. Now, understandably, I was ranked as four being the worst for that year because I wasn't particularly great at the sport to begin with. I could hardly hit the uh, birdie, let alone get it over the net. I wasn't at all skilled whatsoever to begin with, but I still wanted to try and learn something new. I wanted to try something which I had never done before. And so I practiced and I played and I played and I played and I managed to make it to the tournament. And so come this tournament, 
I was eager to do what I could because this was the first tournament or first ever experience I had where I went somewhere where my parents weren't. This was the first time I was ever alone learning something by myself, which was a ma major thing for me at the time. And so I played and I played and I played and I played and I played to the best of my ability for that tournament. But I didn't win very many singles matches. As a matter of fact, I didn't win a single game. I was the single worst player at this entire tournament. And I was gutted. Who wouldn't be? Even at the age of 11, when your emotions are elevated beyond belief. It was an unforgettable experience, which I'll never forget. But then just to add to that, my other teammates, my other team members, my doubles partner managed to play second, and the other two boys in my team managed to play third in doubles. When we were going back from home from the tournament, I was the only boys player not to have won a medal. It was horrible. It was a horrible feeling. So now, at the young age of 11, he decides he wants to try to play a sport, and he tries badminton. Now, I've played badminton just for fun, um, not recently, but, you know, probably a couple decades ago was the last time I ever played it. Uh, it's a fun sport. It's a challenging sport. It takes uh, a lot of skill. He decided he wanted to, to play badminton, and and he hadn't ever really played before. He, but he tried it a little bit. He thought this might be fun, and so he decided to pick it up, and he started practicing. And while he was practicing, he started to realize this really is fun. And so he applied to be part of this sports team and he got on. That's so exciting uh, at that young age to be able to, to have that kind of an opportunity. Yet during that first year, he didn't really find much success. He, he was probably the worst player and he ends up going to the tournament, but he doesn't win any games and everyone else on his team wins medals and he didn't win a single medal. Uh, that can be devastating. And in fact, for many people, that kind of an experience would probably uh, drive them to step away. They would say, mm, th th this was fun, I had a good year, uh, but I'm done and I'm going to go do something else. There's nothing wrong with choosing to do something else, but uh, it shows his mentality um, that he was disappointed and he knew he could do better. And he knew if he worked harder, he could have improvement and he could win those medals. He could have a good uh, experience at the tournament and ultimately he could have success. And so he embarks on uh, doing more in the upcoming year. I think that's a good lesson for all of us. Now, again, we, we have limited discretionary time. We have limited time professionally. We have to pick and choose what we're going to focus on and we can't do everything. And so sometimes we try something and we, we decide, oh, I don't really like that or oh, I'm not particularly good at that. It's not as fun or enjoyable as I thought it would be. It's perfectly okay to try things and then to set them aside and to not continue them. At work, it's, it's perfectly fine to try a new task, a new skill, to try a new role and decide ultimately, uh, that wasn't really for me. I don't really want to do that. But I think the message from this uh, first part of the clip is don't let fear rule and make the decision for you. Now, if you decide you really don't want to do it, uh, you know, that's fine. But don't do it because you're you're embarrassed. Don't do it because you're fearful and, you, and you're worried about looking bad in front of other people. Be willing to challenge yourself. And most of us don't have raw, natural capabilities that are going to allow us to immediately succeed. Most of us aren't a uh, LeBron James who can come out of high school and immediately dominate the NBA. That's a once-in-a-generation kind of a player, right? Most of us have to hone our talents and our skills, even if we have the raw natural talent. And so we develop those over time. And ultimately, he decided 
he really did like badminton, and this is something he was willing to commit to, something he was re really willing to work on and develop his talent over time. I think we can each learn from that. I think each of us, as we go into the workplace, we can recognize there are parts of our jobs that we just don't like. Everyone has parts of their jobs that are crummy, uh, that are rote, that are mundane, uh, or just aren't well aligned with your strengths. That's okay, and we can learn that about ourselves over time, and we can better align uh, and have good person job fit and person organization fit over time. But ultimately, don't allow fear, embarrassment to dictate your decisions. Have the courage to work hard and to try over time in a sustainable way. That takes motivation, that takes effort. And so he's gonna talk a little bit more about what that really means and how he, he found that motivation. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. From that moment, I came to realize that if I wanted to achieve something, I had to work at it. I had to dedicate time. I had to dedicate work. I had to do what I could to be better. And so come the second year, I did, I did that. I went to every practice. I tried to do everything I could to get better, to improve my skill, to do what I could. And in this tournament, I managed to uh, do better. I managed to win more singles games. I managed to improve my play. And overall, our team managed to play second, which I was immensely proud of. I managed to win that medal. But it wasn't enough for me at the time. I, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to improve from being the very worst to being the best. That was the goal I set out from the beginning. And so I was a bit disappointed, but I was still happy to have won that medal. It was something that I accomplished, something I'd never done before. Then came year three. Year three, I tried to improve whatever I could to try and be better. I believed that every game I played, I got a little better. And so I played the best of my ability at that tournament. But unfortunately, that wasn't enough. We placed fourth overall as a team in my singles matches. They were hardly better. They were only a little better. They, I, my improvement was so minimal. I was extremely disappointed. But then I realized that I had to make a difference. If I wanted to make, if I wanted to achieve my goals, I had to commit, I had to do more. And come year four, this was my last year in the U14 badminton boys team. I was 13 turning 14 and I knew that this was my last chance 
to get that first place single match medal that I'd always wanted to do, I always wanted to achieve. And so come that tournament, I played and I played and I played and I played to the best of my ability and I made it all the way to the single match finals. I was immensely proud, I was over the moon, I was ecstatic, emotions were going crazy inside, my heart was pounding. And come the final game as I was playing, I could hear people cheering in the background, I could hear people yelling my name, both people from my school and people that I had befriended over the years at the tournaments. I was extremely happy to have made it that far and over the moon to have achieved what I would achieved, but I focused on one thing, that being winning that game. And so as it came match point to me, I smashed the birdie down as hard as I could and I managed to win that game. So as he continues on in his journey, he realizes, yeah, I need to work harder. I need to do more. I need to persevere. I need to continue uh, to tap into my why and, and my motivation and push forward. And I really admire that in him as a young man, learning that in himself. And I can think back to my teenage years and I can think to things that I really enjoyed, some that I was really good at and others that I wasn't. I played Little League baseball uh, for many years. And I just was never very good. Um, but I always played, in part, that was a family expectation. Uh, most of my family members also played Little League. And and so I, I played baseball. Um, I was a good fielder. I was a pretty crummy hitter. and But I, I managed to find my way onto a good team. But I was really the weakest link on that team uh, in terms of, of the offense, in terms of batting. And so I would always bat towards the end of the order. Now I was a good fielder. I played uh, mostly catcher and third base. And as you know, many of you may know, in Little League, you often rotate around. Um, so I, I would play catcher and third base primarily. Every now and then I'd end up in right field. Uh, I was proud of myself for my how I developed my skill over time in terms of my fielding and my defense. But I just never really uh, figured out the batting. Uh, I, I was always struggling, and I was always batting at the back of the order because I just wasn't very good. Um, I remember uh, my last year of Little League, um, I was on the best team. Like, we were the underdog team. We weren't expected to be the best team. But we we just learned and grew to get, and played well together throughout the year. And we became a really great team. And we end up getting to the very end of the season. And we play the team. It's it, Basically, we end with the same record as another team who was considered the best team that everyone thought would win the league. And we had we end with the same record. And so there's a, a one-game playoff to see who's going to win the league and then go on to the regionals. In that game, my team ends up pulling out a, a great win. Uh, I mean, I, I think back even today on that, and I'm just glad uh, I was able to help them in some way and not <laughs> keep them from winning that game. Uh, but we win that game. We're the underdogs. We end up uh, winning the league, and we go on to the regionals. Uh, we win the first game of the regionals. We're we're now into the second game of that regional tournament, and uh, I find myself up to bat. <laughs> I'm at, towards the end of the order, and the pitcher is is just dominant. Every single player on my team is struck out up to that point, and now I find myself up to bat. I'm not a strong hitter, and mentally I'm thinking I'm going to strike out. This isn't going to work. Uh, I get up to bat. And for whatever reason, for the first time in a long time, I figured, you know what? I got nothing to lose here. Uh, everyone else on my team is struck out. Uh, I'm not going to look stupid because, you know what? Everyone else has kind of looked like they're not very capable either. Um, I'm actually walking up to the plate, 
and everyone's chanting over from the dugout and on that side of the bench, easy out, easy out. And I'm just thinking, what's there to lose? Like, I, for, So for the first time in a long time, I go up to bat and I'm not nervous. I was so, always so worried about embarrassing myself. I was always so worried about messing up. And now I'm going up to bat and I just, for whatever reason, none of that was in my mind at that point. And I was just calm. I go up to bat, first pitch, I slam it down the right field line, barely foul. Nobody else on my team had even uh, hit a foul ball up to that point. Like this guy pitched really hard and I'm the first one. I, I just slam it way down the right field line, barely foul. I, I'm shocked. I'm amazed. I, I can't believe it. I, I, I'm not like a strong hitter, um, but I just hit this guy and I slammed him uh, and it just went, barely went foul. So now all of a sudden I have a little bit of confidence. Very next pitch comes down. I slam it into center field and I am beside myself. I just can't, I, I'm sure I, I was just like frozen there standing, watching this ball fly into, into center field uh, because I, I rarely got hits and I never hit the ball that hard ever before. This was like a first for me and it's definitely on this kind of a stage in a regional tournament, the ball keeps going and going and going. It bounces off the top of the fence, barely missing a home run. I'd never hit a home run. It bounces off the top of the fence. And by that point, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to run. And so I start running and I end up with a double and I'm just floored. I can't believe it. Um, I think about that and I, I reflect back on that experience from time to time. And I think about the power of motivation, the power of, um, of positive thinking and how what's going on in our heads can either influence us for good or it can limit our motivation. It can limit our, how we harness our raw capabilities. What I learned from that moment was I had an ability that I didn't even know I had. I didn't know I could hit it that hard. I didn't know I could nearly hit a home run. Um, I didn't know that any of that was capable and for the, I was capable of that. And for the very first time, because my mind was calm and clear and I wasn't uh, trapped in the the false narrative in my head, I was able to tap into a unbeknownst skill that I did have and do something good with it. Um, I think about that from time to time because uh, there are many things that I'm not very good at or I think I'm not very good at. And so I limit myself and I limit my ability to grow and learn in that area. I'm, I'm glad I did that back then. It was a good lesson for me. And I'm glad this young man uh, did that with badminton. He realized he needed to continue to work hard. He needed to work harder. And if he did that, he and he didn't allow his his, uh, his headspace to get clogged up with negative self-talk and, and uh, diminishing himself, that he would be able to do something great. I managed to go undefeated in the single match, single matches for the second seed. I was over the moon, I was ecstatic. It was the proudest moment of my life. I was overjoyed with a rush of emotions, adrenaline going down, but also up at the same time. It's indescribable. And, but the thing was, I was somewhat disappointed in the fact that our team overall, we placed second. We didn't get that overall victory that I was hoping to end on a high note on. I wanted to end my entire journey on a high note. I wanted to end it the best way it possibly could end. But that wasn't meant to be. 
And come later, in, uh, later on, I came to realize when thinking back of the whole experience over the four years, of the whole experience of the badminton team, of what I learned, what I did, and I realized something. It's hard to describe, but I think this quote best summarizes it in the idea that continuous improvement is better than delayed perfection. This quote perfectly summarized my entire experience in the sense that I went from being the very worst player to being arguably one of the best players going undefeated. This quote perfectly summarized the idea that each year I got better and better and better and eventually I achieved my goals. So the next time you're taking a new skill, you're taking up a new thing or joining a new sports team or whatever you're doing, think back or think or whatever the start you have, even if it's the worst start possible and you have the worst bike, you can still win the race. Thank you. You can still win the race. He perseveres, he keeps working hard. In his fourth year, he wins the tournament. Now, that's a great story, and there's so many great motivational sports stories out there, great sports films. Um, but I'm, you know, it's, it's, it makes me feel good listening to that and hearing him working so hard, going from literally the worst player the first year of the tournament to the best player and winning the tournament in his fourth year. That's incredible, and it's a testament to his long term sustainable motivation. I think each of us needs to think about that in relation to various aspects of our lives. What are we going to focus our attention on? There's only so much time in the day, so there's only so many relationships we can foster and sustain. There's only so many hobbies we can have. There's only so much we can do with work. Uh, ultimately, we have to decide, and our, our resources, our time, are limited. Whatever we choose, let's give it our very best. Let's work hard at it consistently over time. Let's develop that skill. In some cases, our raw talent might not be great, but if we work hard, there are so many things we can achieve. And if we get outside of our own way and outside of the limiting thoughts that we often have, sometimes based on our own background, sometimes it's based on just what people are telling us or what we're believing from those around us or society at large, get rid of that, ignore that stuff and just work hard and you'll do great things. One of the classic examples of this in sports is uh, the story of Rudy and the film Rudy. And many of you have probably watched that movie. That's a movie that I watch anytime I'm feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, you know, and or lacking motivation. Because this, this young man has a learning disability who barely gets through high school, who's small, doesn't have a lot of athletic ability. But man, he has a goal. He has a vision of playing Notre Dame football. And he is going to do anything and whatever it takes to make that happen. And so he works and he works and he works. And he, he gets into uh, college. He works and he works and he works. And eventually, his, senior, his, uh, his junior year, he's able to transfer to Notre Dame. He works and he works and he works. He's able to get on the practice squad. He works and he works and he works. And he finally, because he's earned the respect of everyone around him, he's able to play in his last game of his senior year. It's an incredible movie. It's a testament to what we can do when we don't give up, when we can tap into that internal motivation with inside us. And that that kind of a motivation, that's not something that comes from, you know, just wanting fun, uh, money, fame, fortune, whatever. It's, it's a deeper intrinsic motivation. It's, it's your why. Why does this really matter to you? What do you hope to accomplish? Why is it important? We need to figure that out within ourselves, and then we need to go chase it. And we need to not allow anyone else to tell us we can't do it. 
Ultimately, if we decide we're done and it's not for us anymore, that's fine. But don't let anyone else tell you you're done. Don't let anyone else put the thought in your head that you can't do it. You work hard and there's so many things we can accomplish. I'm grateful for uh, the motivation I found in my life. Uh, I, I really love the, the example of this young man. I appreciate his story and the principles that he shares in his TED Talk. I think we'd all do well to do some, uh, to practice some self-reflection and to consider where we're at and the various things that we're spending our time on and refocus, recalibrate, uh, realign what we're doing and ultimately strive to, to make the most of every opportunity we find ourselves in. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As always, I hope you can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.